Back in the late 80s and the early 90s, one of my favorite songs was a song that was written by Ray Bolts. The name of the song was Watch the Lamb. Every time I heard this song, I would tear up because it reminded me what Jesus did for me and what he did for you on the cross. I want to read the words to that song to you. Walking on the road to Jerusalem... The time had come to sacrifice again. My two small sons, they, they walked beside me on the road. The reason that they came was to watch the lamb. Daddy, daddy, what will we see there? There's so much we don't understand. So I told them about Moses and Father Abraham. And then I said, dear children, watch the lamb. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. We must be sure the lamb doesn't run away. And I told them of Moses and Father Abraham. And then I said, dear children, watch the lamb. When we reached the city, I knew something must be wrong. There were no joyful worshipers, no joyful worship songs. I stood there with my children in the midst of angry men. Then I heard the crowd cry out, crucify him. We tried to leave the city, but we could not get away Forced to play in this drama a part I did not wish to play. Why upon this day were men condemned to die? Why were we standing here where soon they would pass by? I looked and said, even now they come. The first one cried for mercy. The people gave him none. The second one was violent. He was arrogant and loud. I still can hear his angry voice screaming at the crowd. Then someone said, there's Jesus. I could scarce believe my eyes. A man so badly beaten, he barely looked alive. Blood poured from his body, from the thorns upon his brow, running down the cross, falling to the ground. I watched him as he struggled. I watched him as he fell. The cross came down upon his back. The crowd began to yell. In the moment, I felt such agony. In that moment, I felt such loss. Till a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed, You carry the cross. First I tried to resist him. Then his hand reached for his sword. So I knelt and I took the cross from the Lord. I placed it on my shoulder and started down the street. The blood that he had been shedding was running down my cheek. They led us to Golgotha. They drove nails deep in his feet and hands. Yet upon the cross, I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes. Into thy hands I commit my spirit, he prayed, and, and then he died. I stood for what seemed like years. I'd lost all sense of time until I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the oldest say, Father, please forgive us. The lamb ran away. Daddy, daddy, what have we seen here? There's so much we don't understand. 
So I took them in my arms and we turned and faced the cross. Then I said, dear children, watch the Lamb. Well, today I want us to look at the passage of Scripture that inspired that song. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 15, verse 21. This part of the crucifixion story is also found in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. Now let me remind you where we are in this story. Jesus has been arrested by the religious leaders. He had been brought before the high priest on trumped up charges. They accused him of blasphemy, a crime that was guilty of death. They took him to Pilate, who was the only one who could put him to death. But Pilate sent him to Herod. After Herod and his men mocked him and made fun of him, they sent him back to Pilate. Pilate realized that that Jesus was innocent, that he was only there because of the envy of the religious leaders. So he tried to let Jesus go, but, but the crowd wanted to Barabbas set free. Barabbas was this vile, evil Wicked man, and they wanted Jesus crucified. Now, let me stop here for just a minute. Jesus had done nothing but good. He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He had fed the hungry. He had set those who were possessed by demons free. He forgave those who were caught in the bondage of sin. Everything he did was good, and yet here in this moment, the crowd was crying out for him to be crucified. So Pilate had Jesus flogged with a a lead-tipped whip. A, A Jewish flogging by law, by Jewish law, could only go up to 40 lashes. They would normally do 39 so that they did not go over 40. But a a Roman flogging could go on indefinitely. You could beat a man to death in a Roman flogging. We don't know how much Jesus was beaten, but most likely his body, not just his back, but his stomach, his legs, his neck, were all opened up because of this beating that he had with with this lead-tipped whip. And then these soldiers took him and they dressed him in a purple robe. They, they made a crown of thorns. They thrust it upon his head. And, and then they mocked him. They made fun of him. They spit on him. And then we are told that they beat him with a reed stick. Now remember, Jesus had been flogged. He had been beaten. Most likely he had been kicked. And now... They put this cross beam on his back. The cross that he was going to die on. Those cross beams probably weighed about 100 pounds. Now remember, Jesus had already been beaten without mercy. Blood was flowing from his back. Blood was flowing from the wounds in his head, from that crown of thorns. He probably was suffering from weakness because of blood loss. His body was aching all over as he was trying to carry that crossbeam down the streets of Jerusalem, outside the city, up that hill to a place called Golgotha. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but, but most likely Jesus had stumbled a couple of times. He had fallen. I mean, goodness gracious, he was half dead already. And these Roman soldiers, they were ready to get him up to that hill so that they could nail him to that cross And they weren't about 
to carry the cross themselves. And so that brings us to the verse we're at today, verse 21 of of Mark chapter 15. Uh, Listen as, as I read God's word. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Simon was trying to get into the city. Jesus was about to leave the city. And the Bible says that they grabbed Simon from that that crowd and forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Now, let me give you a little bit of information about Simon. He was a Cyrenian. He was from the city of Cyrene. Cyrene was located on the northern coast of Africa in modern-day Libya. It was a city that would have been very close to modern-day Benghazi. It was a Jewish city, but it was home to a number of Jews who had moved there during the diaspora when when the, the Jews were being persecuted and resettled by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6 that there were Jews from Cyrene there at Pentecost, or chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 7, when, when Peter is, or Stephen is preaching, we are told that he debated with the Jews from Cyrene before he was, he was stoned to death by stones. And so there were a number of Jews who would come to Jerusalem on a regular basis to celebrate Passover. And that's most likely what Simon was doing. He came to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his kids and, and most likely with his wife. It was a, it was a 800-mile journey. Now let that sink in. They didn't fly. There were no airplanes. They didn't drive. There were no cars. They walked, most likely with a donkey in tow, 800 miles so they could celebrate Passover. And yet we have a difficult time getting into our car and driving a few miles when there's a time change. So notice the the commitment they had versus the commitment that we have today. He was most likely just getting into town and he was caught up in this crowd. He wasn't there watching what was going on. He wasn't there as a spectator watching Jesus be beaten and and then be crucified. He was trying to get into the city. The Bible says that he was coming from the countryside. That, that word, the Greek word for countryside is the word agros. It's a word that means pasture land. Most likely, he had come from a, from a field, from a farm. He had probably bought a lamb from a shepherd that he was going to sacrifice for Passover. He, he was just passing through. It was about that time as he was entering into the city, as Jesus was about at the gates of the city, that that soldier locked eyes with Simon. And he said, you carry his cross. Now understand, Simon had no choice. There was a Roman law that if a Roman soldier 
ask you to carry his pack, ask you to, to do something for him, you were required by law to do that. Simon had no choice. He could be put to death. I imagine at first he, he resisted because he was there to celebrate Passover. He had traveled 800 miles to celebrate Passover. And if he picked up this cross that had this man's blood on it, he would be defiled. The blood of this man would make him unclean and he would not be able to do what he had traveled 800 miles to do. Simon had most likely never heard of Jesus before he got into Judea on this trip. It's likely that at some point before he was entering into Jerusalem, he heard about Jesus. I mean, this was a big deal. The week before he had entered Jerusalem with all of this pomp and circumstance as they laid palm branches in the road as he entered in. And yet now the crowds had turned on him and they were about to crucify him. He had most likely heard that this man that, that was about to be crucified, some said he was the Messiah. There were probably rumors that he had done all kind of miracles. He had healed the sick and even raised the dead. And here he was. He was conscripted in to carrying Jesus' cross. When his eyes met Jesus' eyes, I believe something happened. The other two who were carrying crosses that day in front of Jesus, they were vile, wicked men. They were probably cursing at the crowd. As the crowd spit at them, they would spit back at the crowd, but not Jesus. As they were yelling at Jesus and cursing at Jesus and spitting at Jesus, Jesus' eyes just communicated compassion and love. And Jesus locked eyes with Simon. And I believe that when Simon saw his eyes, he saw a love like he had never seen before. And he was probably wondering, why are they crucifying this man? I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine that, that out of the mouth of Jesus, softly, because that's all the strength he had, Jesus looked at Simon and said, thank you. Thank you. I imagine as, as Jesus looked deep into Simon's eyes, Jesus was thinking, you're about to carry my cross, but I'm about to die on your cross. As Simon was carrying that cross for Jesus, I believe that he was walking behind Jesus. So the view that he would have had was the torn up back. Jesus. And as he was following Jesus, I believe that there were passages of Scripture that came to his mind because remember, he was there to celebrate Passover. If someone was going to walk 800 miles to celebrate a religious event, most likely they were deep into the Word. And I imagine there were some verses that came to his mind as he looked at the beaten, broken,
back and body of Jesus. In Isaiah 52, it says, But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured that it hardly seemed human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. I imagine as Simon looked into his face, he thought about that verse. And then in Isaiah 53, it says, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. He turned we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us. Like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Now what I'm about to say is speculation. But I believe it's what's hap what happened. After Simon got that cross to the top of that hill, Golgotha, he didn't leave. I believe he stayed around. He watched. And he waited. He watched as they nailed his hands and his feet to that cross. As they picked up that cross and dropped it into that hole that they had dug to put that cross in. He watched. He listened to the thieves as they talked back and forth, as they yelled at the crowd. And then he watched in amazement as that one thief was miraculously changed. He saw the sun disappear. He saw the sky grow dark. He felt the ground began to tremble. And I imagine that someone ran in from the city and said the veil that separates the holy of holies from the rest of the temple has been torn in two. He listened as Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And then he heard him cry out in victory, it is finished. And then he died. He was defiled. He would miss Passover, and yet he was cleansed by the Passover lamb. Most would probably look at this as a, a chance encounter, bad luck. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but not Simon. This moment changed his life. Listen, your life can be changed in a moment. And nothing, absolutely nothing happens by chance. God created you and he longed to have a relationship with you. And he will move heaven and earth. So that you can experience his love for you. You're not here today by chance. You didn't just decide to get up and come. 
Your parents didn't force you to be here. God is working through every situation and circumstance to reveal his love and his grace in your life. So don't miss it. Some Bible scholars say that this Simon that carried Jesus' cross was the Simon that we read about in in Acts chapter 13 that was part of the church in Antioch, one of the leaders, the pastors, the teachers of that church. Most Bible teachers believe that the Rufus and his mother that we read about in Romans chapter 16 that were friends of Paul was this Rufus, the son of Simon and his mother. Why else? Why else would Mark give us the names of Rufus and Alexander if there were not some significance to that? And so what you need to understand is this so-called chance encounter with Jesus. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time changed Simon's life forever. It changed his wife's life forever, his kid's life forever and most likely his family tree was changed forever because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time which was in reality the right place at the right time and so I want to give you three statements to ponder first look at everything as an opportunity to encounter God There is no way that Simon could have thought that this was a God moment initially, but it was. He was there coming into Jerusalem to have a God moment. He wasn't there to be defiled and carry the cross of a dead man walking. And yet, that's what happened. But God used that moment to change his life. Sometimes God uses success and blessings to get our attention. There are other times that God uses tragedies and disappointments. And God even uses the consequences of our sinful decisions. We're in the pit when when there is no way to look but up. And God speaks to us. You see, being forced to carry the cross of a man who was about to die was not in Simon's plan But it was in God's plan for Simon's life. God can. God will use any circumstance in your life to open your eyes and reveal who he is. So understand, don't miss the opportunities that God gives you. Look at everything that happens as as God maybe trying to speak to you. Here's the second thing you need to understand. Anyone can be used in God's plan for your life. Anyone. God will not only use an evangelist like Billy Graham or a well-known preacher. God will use anyone. God will use your neighbor. God will use your co-worker. God will use your friend at school. And God will use you in someone else's life. But this is the crazy thing. God can use a Roman guard. This Roman guard was not trying to show Simon who God was. This Roman guard was getting Simon to do something that was vile and evil and wicked and disgusting. Carry a a man who was about to die, his cross. And yet God used this Roman guard. 
You see, God can use anyone. God can use a mean-spirited boss. God can use an abusive spouse. God can use a bully at school. He can and will use anyone to turn you to God. To get your attention to God. So that you can see God's love and grace. But here's the key. Only you can decide how these opportunities are used by God in your life. God can use anything. God can use anyone. But you have to decide how it's going to play out. Think about it for a moment. Remember Barabbas? We talked about him last week. Jesus literally died in Barabbas' place. Jesus died on the cross that was prepared for Barabbas. And yet, we believe that Barabbas walked away, never being changed. And yet, here's Simon. Simon is plucked from the crowd, forced to carry this cross, and through this experience, his life and his family's life is changed forever. You see, you are the one that will determine how these God moments play out in your life. Here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God loves you. God created you for a relationship with himself. And he is working so that you can come to know him. He is creating circumstances and he's using people to turn your attention to who he is. But you have to decide how you're going to respond. I saw a video this week that spoke to me. I think it will speak to you too. I want you to watch it with me. I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover, and he, he was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't, we didn't understand that. Um, when I got to Jerusalem, it wasn't what I expected. There was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover. And it just seemed like the whole city was angry, like just, just mobs of angry people. And all of a sudden this, this, this guard, the soldier, he grabs me and I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd and he says for me to carry this guy's cross if if this guy's blood it gets on me it's, it stains me and I, I can't I can't celebrate the Passover that's the whole reason I was there it was hard to see the man through the blood And then our eyes met. And 
I knew. This man was not a liar. He was not a, uh, a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could, but he, uh, he, car he carried most of it. We, we, began, we began to walk. I, I, I heard the insults that, that they shouted at him and, and now at me. I felt the spit. I felt his, his blood on me. They'd taken a, a crown made of thorns and then they smashed it on his head. And, and, and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross. And they, they nailed his hands and his feet to it. And they, they, they lifted it up. And he, he, had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet. And he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive. And I, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. And, and I looked down and I remember, I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with, with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would, would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood, it's the blood that, that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath and he died. And that was a, uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry. That was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross. He hung and died on my cross. How do you respond to that kind of love? It wasn't a matter of Simon carrying Jesus' cross. Jesus was dying on Simon's cross. How do you respond? Jesus told us earlier on in his life, when he was telling his disciples what it means to be a disciple. I want you to listen to what Jesus said. This is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel three times. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. 
Simon literally carried the cross of Jesus. And that encounter changed his life. But Jesus said, if you and I are really going to become his followers, his disciples, those who know him, who have been changed by him, we must take up our cross. I hear people all the time that say things like, I've got a cross to bear. And they talk about a a physical pain. They talk about some economic hardship or some relational strain. They have this cross to bear. But that's not what Jesus meant. Listen again to what Jesus said. He said, if you want to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways. Deny yourself. That's repentance. We have to make a break with sin. A 180 degree turn. We have to be willing to say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm turning around. I'm going to follow you. That's the first step. We must turn from our selfish, sinful Ways. There is no salvation apart from repentance. Jesus began his ministry saying you must repent and believe the good news. Next, Jesus said you must take up your cross daily. The cross was an instrument of death. What Jesus is saying is we must be willing to put to death the old. The old has died. Everything has become new. When we give our life to Jesus, we're turning from one way of life and we're turning to a new way of life, trusting Jesus to guide us and direct us. And then he says, and follow me. It's not a matter of just turning from sin and, 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 and turning to this new way. It's a matter of following Jesus each and every day, living the life he has called us to live. And Jesus said that's what it means to be a disciple, a follower, a Christian. A Christian is someone who has turned from selfish, self-centered ways. They have died to an old way of life and, and now they're following Jesus. So what about it? Have you done that? You see, that death on the cross where Jesus took our place, the Bible says that there is no greater love that has ever been shown to man. And that love that Jesus showed to you, that Jesus showed to me, it deserves our turning from a way of life we were never intended to live, putting that life to death on the cross and following Jesus. So have you? If you haven't, there is nothing more important for you today than that. Nothing. And so I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes with me. And in the stillness of this moment, I want you to ask yourself, Have I given my life to Jesus? Have I turned from sin and self-centered living? Have I died to self, nailing the old to the cross with Jesus 
Am I following Jesus because of what he's done for me? If you haven't, then today I want to encourage you to do that by praying this prayer. You can pray it right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you today admitting that I'm a sinner. I've been living my way. Going in my direction. Been doing my thing. Been playing God. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm tired of it. Jesus, today I'm turning from my sin. I'm, I'm dying on that cross to sin with you. From this moment on, I want to follow you, Jesus. I know you died so that I could be forgiven. I'm trusting that. And I'm giving my all to you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me.